0: This program contains grown-up themes and language that the FCC doesn't like. Use your common sense. You're listening to Beautiful Red, a novel by M. Darusha Wayne. Find out more at darusha.ca slash beautifulred. 5. Well, that was fucking unnerving, Jack said, sitting at her table in her apartment, nursing a growing headache and a slight case of nausea. What happened? Jill asked. Are you okay? I'm fine, Jack replied, having a sip of water. I just felt what it was like to be, I don't know, deleted, I guess? Weird. Did anything show up at your end? Not really, he said. I caught a strange blip on the log, but it didn't get flagged or anything, so you're probably okay. Cool, Jack said, rolling her neck and working out the kinks of being essentially away from her body for a couple of hours. Did you find anything? Jill asked. Yeah, Jack said. There were some artifacts left behind from what looked like cracking tools, and then there's the extra door. Door? Jill asked. What do you mean door? Jack hadn't told him about a representational interface system and now didn't seem to be the time to explain it. Node, I mean, she said. There were too many connection nodes. Well, just the one too many. I tried to access the extra one and got booted off the system. That's how I ended up back here. That explains what I saw, Jill said. So, what's the plan now? I'm going to sift through the stuff I found and see what comes up, Jack said. You don't have to stay on with me. Go home or whatever. There was a slight pause. I am home, Jill said. The shift ended almost an hour ago. Oh, crap, I'm sorry, Jack said. I didn't mean to pull you into this on your own time. It's okay, Jill said. It was fun. Let me know if you need any help with the stuff you found. Otherwise, I'll catch you next week. Thanks, Jill, Jack said. I should be okay. Have a good weekend. You too, he answered. Later, dude. He disconnected and Jack went offline. She was sweating, and her mouth tasted like something died in it. She drank some water and stripped off her soaked clothes, stuffing them in the autoclave. She went into the bathroom, closed the door, and turned the shower on. She stood under the misting water for longer than the suggested maximum, making a mental note to skip a shower tomorrow so she wouldn't reach her water quota before the end of the month. When she finally felt refreshed, she dried off and stepped back into her room. She threw on some fresh clothes and got a piece of toast. She sat at her table, still offline, and thought. There were crackers in that system, and they were almost surely the ones connecting to the Bellus system. But why? She opened up the logs from the Bellus system and looked at the outgoing connections. There it was. A connection to another system. This one somewhere in Benelux. Jack couldn't get a fix on what system it was exactly. It didn't look corporate, which was even stranger. But it certainly indicated that Bellis wasn't the final target. She finished her toast, drank some more water, and got another carafe of coffee going. When it was ready, she poured a cup and reconnected. She opened up Jill's tool bag and picked out the items she'd found on the scene in Byside's client delivery system. She looked at the scrap of map and recognized it as part of the same speck that Jill had found for her. She made a note to ask him where he got it. She carefully put it aside and pulled out the other items. Now these were more interesting. There was a 2 by 4 beam, an odd representation really, but Jack got it in one. Jam it in the door, and it's a tool to keep the connection open. She ran it through her command line editor, and confirmed that it was a script to stop a connection from closing. Then she turned her attention to the fragment of a blade. She'd guessed it was a kind of glass cutter, but that was mainly from context. She had seen something similar in a first aid kit once, used to cut off clothes presumably. She ran it through the command line and opened it up. It was a fragment of code, and reading it through she could guess that it was a kind of high-end break-and-enter tool. She searched the nets for the snippet, but got back no results. Not surprising, since it was obviously a serious cracker's piece of code, maybe even written just for this job. But why break into a client delivery system, when the content in there is available for a fee in a second, and for free with a little digging on the nets? And why log into the Bella system once inside? As she pondered this, Jack was distracted by the Usher prints flashing. She answered, expecting Jill, and instead saw... Incoming real-time secure message from Adrian. Hey, Jay. Hey, hi, how's it going? Not bad. How are the micros? Jack had completely forgotten about her new toys in the last day's excitement. She started to talk about her recent activities, but at the last minute stopped herself. Man, I had a bitch of a day yesterday. I've just been too wiped out to do anything, really, past poking around in the program. I haven't even taken them out of my apartment yet. Damn, I'm disappointed. I was hoping for some juicy amateur porn from the break room. Ew, don't even say that. The horrible images. I'm not going to be able to use that place for a week now. Laughter. Well, just don't forget to fill in your old buddy when you do test drive those things, okay? No problem, pal. You'll be the first. Cool. Later. Later. Jack disconnected. She felt a little guilty about keeping her excitement from Adrian, but she knew that she may have just stumbled upon something no one had seen for years, not since the days before the Everywhere Net. Someone had used the BS CDS as a screen, a diversion. They'd logged into the BySide system as a way of covering their tracks. Jack figured that the connection to the Bellis system was the same thing. The Crackers were just making a long trail of logins to make it harder to trace back to their real origin It was weird. But until she knew some more, she wanted to keep it all for herself. Jack was certain she had heard of this before somewhere, so quickly searched the nets. Sure enough, back in the days before the Everywhere Net, when IP addresses were assigned to machines, not places, you had this kind of thing all the time. But now that the wireless net was, well, everywhere, you didn't need to hide your tracks. All you had to do was physically move. Though, of course, your own personal log would show where you'd been, both physically and on the nets, so the point was really moot. So if you couldn't ever really hide, what would be the point of this exercise? Jack rubbed her face, got up, and tried to pace across her tiny floor. Every time she figured something out, a new problem would crop up. It was maddening, and more interesting than anything she had done in years. She needed to take a break, though. She was just going around and around in circles, coming up with more questions than answers, so she had to stop. She called up her news aggregator and started idly paging through the various things around the world that people had flagged as interesting. Most of it was not actually all that interesting, but that was typical. The trouble with relying on the combined wisdom of other individuals was that no one had the exact same interests as you, so either you limited your search to a very small topic area and then hardly got any information at all, or you had to wade through a pile of boring stuff. Jack chose the latter method, since she usually had plenty of waiting time. It seemed like the big news was still the hardware theft in Bruges. Jack scanned a couple of the entries, and got the impression that the reason it was getting so much attention was that there had been a lot of vandalism in the theft. All of the cases in one server room had been literally ripped open, the disk pulled out, leaving behind an unbelievable mess. It was a man-bites-dog story for sure, since even though theft was common enough, usually thieves took great pains to be discreet. The whole point was to make it take as long as possible for the theft to be discovered, so that the logs for the time of the crime would have been destroyed. Such a blatant display was so rare, Jack could never recall an incident like it. There was, of course, no end to the speculation on the nets about why this had happened. Some suspected streeters— Others opined that a revolutionary group of anti-progress activists were making a political statement. Some thought it was a regular theft gone wrong, perhaps interrupted. Jack took all these opinions with the weight they ought to have, very little, and headed over to a board created entirely by intelligent agents. There was still plenty of debate about intelligent agents, the name assigned to smart computer programs. They were kind of hard to define. One common denominator was that they were smart enough to pass the Turing test, though that piece of trivia only scratched the surface. Some people were concerned that they would achieve sentience, and then all hell would break loose. Mostly those people were labeled anti-progress, though that was really an unfair characterization. The truth was that no one knew what would happen if a program became self-aware, but the economic value of intelligent agents was undeniable, so they were common enough. There were plenty of tasks they couldn't perform, anything requiring subtlety, intuition, diplomacy, or outright deception. But for logical analysis, they couldn't be beat, and they were fast and tireless. Whether you could rightly call their assessments opinion was a matter of debate, but Jack wanted to read something other than political rhetoric disguised as analysis. She paged over to IA Security Newslog, a site of opinion pieces by off-duty intelligent agents working in security. Jack had met Adrian on their companion board for what they jokingly, everyone hoped, called unintelligent agents. Jack ran a search for the Bruges theft and came up with a few articles. One pointed out that humanity had a history of illogical actions, and this latest example was no stranger than someone getting in a fistfight under a surveillance camera, an all-too-common occurrence. Another article focused on the cost-benefit analysis, the payoff versus risk of apprehension. That agent argued that for a person with sufficient motivation, the risk of leaving evidence and possibly being caught was lower than the possible benefits. Another poster, particularly well known for its provocative remarks, reiterated its usual refrain that humans were morons. Jack didn't find a lot of new information there, but the aggregate of all she had read definitely explained the incident's noteworthiness. Who would be sufficiently motivated to steal disc when you could just buy it off any streeter? Jack knew that streeters didn't earn enough from the wares they sold to make a theft like that worthwhile. It was an interesting problem, and made a good diversion from the problem still on Jack's mind. Why was someone using corporate systems to cover their tracks on the gnats? She wondered if the incidents were connected in some way. She suspected that she was just grasping at straws, and seeing patterns where none existed, but they were both unusual and seemingly illogical incidents. Jack almost hoped there was a connection, even though that would make the problem even more intractable. She shook her head and checked the time. Ugh, she thought. It was mid-afternoon already, and she had gotten only a few hours sleep the night before, waking in the middle of the night to go on her break-in intermission. She knew she was overtired, but didn't want to sleep. She looked out the window, saw that the day was moderately bright, and figured that a walk wouldn't hurt. She changed her clothes, grabbed her non-uniform jacket, and left the apartment. She walked out of her building, and turned left instead of right, like she would if she were going to the train stop. She walked along the sidewalk, not really looking where she was going, just walking. She passed a few streeters and regular folks coming or going to work. The street was like any other, lined with tall buildings of housing units, some of the nicer ones with shops or cafes in their ground floors. A few private enclosed vehicles hovered through the street, but mostly the street was used by people on scooters, as there weren't many reasons to be in this neighborhood for people rich enough to own a car. Most people were on foot, though, heading to or from a train stop. Jack watched the other people moving purposefully through the street. Everyone looked so intent, so focused, and Jack realized that she usually did the same. Most people are online almost all of the time. Walking toward a train stop or to a store was just something for their bodies to do. It was as if the physical body were merely a transportation device for the mind, just a way of getting to one physical location from another. As Jack looked at her surroundings more closely, she started noticing things she'd never seen before, having always been online. The boring similarity of all the buildings, for example. Even her own building, which she loved for its antiquated wooden door, was essentially the same 20-story glass and platinum monolith as every other building she passed. Even the people were eerily alike, "'their vacant plugged-in stairs, fashionable bodies and faces, "'uniforms or corporate-approved dress-code outfits.' "'Jack stopped and looked at her reflection "'in the mirrored window of the building next to her. "'She knew she wasn't as fashionable "'as most of the other people on the street. "'She couldn't be bothered to get a new face every year, "'and while she went through a phase when she was younger "'of going through several body types, "'she finally found one that felt right, and just kept it. "'Even her hair color had remained the same "'since she was a teenager.' She now bought number 772, Sapphire, by the wholesale case. She supposed that she had always had a slightly rebellious streak with her appearance. Almost all her implants were subdermal. The only exception was a small, stainless stud beneath her lower lip that she got at the age of twelve, in an adolescent attempt to look like everyone else. She had to admit that she still liked the way it looked, somewhat striking against her otherwise unadulterated skin, She once toyed with the idea of getting tattoo skin, a programmable layer just under the epidermis that could render any image, but she'd never bothered, and now it was so common that hardly anyone who had it used it for more than changing skin color. So she looked young but out of date, with a compact body just shy of 1.7 meters tall. Today she wore loose pants of a dark, strong material that ended mid-calf and draped over her knee-high boots. Her shirt was made of an iridescent material that had been popular six months previously, jack liked it because just over her breasts was a red flashing 12 colon zero zero a symbol of technological incompetence that was the unofficial logo of the loose group of security pros that gathered on the ias human board as a top player she wore a hip-length black shiny jacket with eighteen pockets so cleverly built into it that an observer would never know there were any pockets at all after looking at herself for a full minute as if she were a stranger jack decided she was pleased with her appearance even though she would never be singled out in a crowd and asked how she did it. 00010 zero, 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 zero. Okay, maybe I have been being a touch melodramatic about this memory problem. I've done a little research now, and I think it may be some kind of brain problem, but nothing serious. Most likely it's an artifact of one of the new implants. Blackouts supposedly are a symptom of incorrectly calibrated wetware connections. It's uncommon, but it happens. I've decided to go to the upgrade salon tomorrow and see if the people there have heard anything about this side effect. I can't find anything on their boards, but they don't like to advertise their problems, so hopefully I can just get a replacement or something. I hope I won't have to spend a lot of time in installation, but this needs to be fixed. I can't go on like this. I'm tired all the time, and I'm starting to worry about what's happening during the time I'm unable to remember. Just to be safe, I've turned on automatic recording. Even limiting it to audio, this is going to take up a huge chunk of memory. No irony intended, but at least I'll be able to hear what I've been doing in those lapses. I think the smartest thing I've done in the last little while is taking the mood stabilizers. I was really starting to go off the rails there. Looking back, I'm surprised no one has turned me into the crazy police. The way I'd been acting before the stabilizers, anyone would have thought I was some kind of lunatic. You've been listening to Beautiful Red by M. Darusha Wayne. Find out more at d-a-r-u-s-h-a dot c-a slash beautiful red or subscribe for free at podiobooks.com. The theme music is low-level format by Bjorn Fogelberg. Learn more about Bjorn's music at fogelberg.com and you can buy the album Karushi Porn at magnatune.com. If you have feedback, I'd love to hear it. Leave a comment on the website, send email to darusha at darusha.ca or call the listener line at 206-339-8577. Thanks for listening.